smashed into the net by Kylian Mbappe. Depay! And he stretched it! Cornet finds Dembele. The first touch is good. The second is deadly. Neymar still! Oh my word, what a goal! Golovin! Lovely finish! Must be the opening goal. Benedetto! And Bagnon! Fantastic! Outrageous goal from Gael Kakuta! Beautifully done, sensational. Hello and welcome to France, where there's an unusual look to the top of the standings this week in Le Bourget, the official Ligue 1 Uber Eats podcast in association with BT Sport. We look at Saint-Étienne, Rennes, Montpellier and Lens all flying high at the top. We ask if Kylian Mbappé is enough to get Paris Saint-Germain back on track. And there's a distinct African flavour too as we have an exclusive chat with the Bordeaux and Nigeria striker Josh Madger and celebrate the excellent form of Ignatius Ganago and Stefan Bauerken by talking about Cameroon's contribution to French football through the years. My name is Matt Spiro and with me today here in Robbie Thompson's flat, Robbie Thompson. Hi, Rob. Hello, Matt. Hello, uh, everyone else. I'll let you introduce them before I ruin the surprise. Yeah, well, we, we, we're going with an unchanged team because we did think last week was, uh, was a, a, a good victory. And you know what they say, particularly with Andy Scott unavailable. We've, uh, we've, we've stuck with Armel Tangi and Dave Cross. And how are you, Armel? I'm all right, thank you. Trying to make the most of this uh, chance I'm being given in the starting four. Um, Dave, we know you were a little bit upset last week with, you know, what, with all of us forgetting your birthday. So I just wanted to say a belated happy birthday. And we have, we have a present for you, Dave. Um, so I'm really touched. We're going to present that live on the pod. If you want to sort of, I'm going to open it live open on the it. pod. So it works, works really well without the, the, the visuals. These are sound effects. Yep. So it's a brown <laughs> package, roughly A4 size, and it looks a lot like the Saturday supplement of Lequipe, but it's probably <laughs> better. It's, uh, it's So Foot magazine, ah. and with Olivier Giroud on the front cover. Brilliant. Just what you always wanted, Dave. It, it is exactly what I always wanted. With a, with a Pablo Aymar interview, I look forward to reading that. Exactly. It's a good I think read. That, that, that's the most interesting looking thing from, from that front cover, Pablo Dave, Aymar interview. Dave, be honest, do you already have it? I don't actually, oh. no. no. Not in a hard copy. I, I have access to the online version. <laughs> it could certainly fill a few gaps in your knowledge, Dave, if there are any gaps. Yeah, let's, uh, let's move on with the action. I just hope, Dave, you can forgive us um, about last week's little mishap. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah I can. I, I've just got a, a footnote to my Vittorino Hilton birthday thing. I, I know we all look at the stats after matches, and I commentated the Montpellier-Lyon game on the Tuesday night, and Vittorino Hilton got sent off just a couple of days after his 43rd birthday, mm. and I think it was the largest age difference between a player fouled for a penalty and the fouler as Hilton fouled Ryan Shirky, who's 17. Wow. I'd, I'd like someone to confirm that, but I can't think that anyone has ever had more than a 26-year difference in giving away a penalty <laughs> in a professional match. It's almost like fouling like your son yeah, in the absolutely. back garden, isn't it? It's like, you know. But but, and, and was it really a foul? I guess it was. Yeah, it was. He, he went in. He didn't make a move, though. No. He was trying to block the Took ball. Took him out but, of yeah. his knee. Even I'd give that one, so it was yeah, probably a penalty. Okay. So, yeah, fair enough then. Well, Vito Amon Pellier still in, in rude health this season, but to so are Saint-Étienne. They uh, went to Nantes on Sunday on the back of three straight victories. Claude Puel's young team doing, doing remarkably well. Andy Scott uh, commentated this game at uh, La Bourgeoise, Nantes versus Saint-Étienne. This is Denis Buanga who scored the second goal in Marseille. A fabulous goal it was as well. He may have turned provider here and Saint-Étienne have the goal. Just 68 seconds on the clock. And they're in front thanks to Adil Aushish. Masson. Masson shot. Oh, it's a beautiful goal. Sensational strike by Ivan Masson. And this time it is 2-0. Excellent running by Apia. Surely this time Simon gets one back. And uh, surely this one will stand. Moses Simon. Giving not something to cling to. Free kick struck by Girotto, it's taking a nasty deflection, which completely caught out Jesse Muller, came back off the post, and Renault Emon has turned it in with his very first touch. A remarkable goal, and Saint-Étienne's perfect start to the season. Now set to come to an end here, they have been on course for all three points. So it finished 2-2, Saint-Étienne will be disappointed having roared into a 2-0 lead, but, uh, but Robbie Nantes, uh, they... 
they they gave a, a reasonable account of themselves and they certainly kept on fighting despite being two down at home and finally uh, came back and got the point. Absolutely. I think there are, there are lots of interesting things uh, about this game on and off the pitch. I thought Adil Aushish, his first goal for Saint-Étienne is, is fantastic. He wasn't the most difficult goal, but he's such a talented young player and I, I got to know him a little bit at PSG last season. He's, he's a really lovely kid and uh, it was curious to see him so intent on moving to Saint-Étienne. But clearly Claude Puel knew what he was doing and it was part of this Claude Puel revolution of bringing in young players, which is, again, you know, you get rid of Stefan Ruffier, you get rid of Jan Villa, you get rid of these guys that have strong egos, strong personalities, guys that are very well respected but in is the it, Rob, as is well. It, is it, is it, is it curious or is it, or is it admirable? Because honestly, do you, do you, could you imagine him playing much football this season at PSG? And bearing in mind, he's probably going to start most games for Saint-Étienne. No, but you could go on loan. You could go on loan to Saint-Étienne and stay. And if you have a fantastic season, you're still a Paris Saint-Germain player. But he wanted to take this opportunity. Fair enough. And, uh, and it's working for him. And he's started every game, I think, so far this season. He's going to be a France youth international for years to come. He's only 17 so, or just turned 18, I think. So uh, quality footballer. The other great thing about the match, um, yes, Nantes came back. Moses Simon, good to see him. Uh, Moses' causing, daddy causing Simon, havoc. Moses' daddy Simon. But the best thing for me was the Saint-Étienne fan, probably a a 12-year-old kid, when uh, Emon scored the equalising goal for for Nantes and ran in the bourgeois and ran to celebrate in front of the fans. And in the background, you just see this defiant little blonde kid hold up a Saint-Étienne flag in front of his face and, and start waving it in front. It was just, it was a beautiful football moment because the kid could have been devastated. They were leading 2-0. They, they almost conceded a third after. But it was just respectful defiance. And for me, it summed up what, about what being a young football fan is all about. And it was, see it if you can. Check it out. It's a, a fantastic moment. Saint-Étienne's kids are showing respectful defiance this season, aren't they? Uh, I, I, I commentated their game when they won the, at the Velodrome against Marseille on, on Thursday. I know that at the weekend they had an average age of 23 in, the, in their starting 11. And some of these kids, I think we've got to mention Yvon Masson, uh, the, the left back who was he really caught my eye against uh, Florian Tovan and Marseille on Thursday and Dave the goal that he scored uh, against Nantes was absolutely phenomenal this is a guy who was playing sixth tier football a year ago he was signed from Dunkirk in, in Nacional in, in January uh, the scouts are doing a good job aren't they? They are he really looks the part and Saint-Étienne are building for the future with Masson and the other youngsters that Claude oh, oh, Puel oh, oh, has got oh, oh. in there Thanks Disclaimer Masson in French is a, a builder I've, I was going to throw that out yeah. before yeah. Dave even started talking because I could just smell <laughs> the jokes Yeah that was a bit telephoné that one unfortunately a bit but, telegraphed that joke but uh, yeah no I, I, I like what Claude Puel is trying to do I'm not convinced that it's going to work over the duration of a full league and season that we've seen it before at Saint-Étienne that uh, under Oscar Garcia they had a really good start in 2017 mm. and then that all finished really horribly they don't have a proper centre forward I think they will get found out by better league and clubs than Nantes um, but yeah very good start it's, to the season for them with 10 points from 4 games it's essential they keep hold of Wesley Fofana fantastic though. player Wesley Fofana mm. yeah who's Leicester have offered big bucks apparently and yep, 30, million, million hovering, 30 million and yeah. Claude Puel has said that there's absolutely no way he's going and we know that Claude Puel has a lot of power these days in terms of he, you know he's not just a coach and a manager he's you know he's got a big say in the whole sporting strategy of the club and yeah Fofana was absolutely brilliant against uh, Marseille and a lot of these youngsters are impressing me. Maddie Camera in, in, in midfield mm, is, a, mm. is a good player. And we know that Boanga and Amuma are in attack. You know, if Amuma's going to play like he has been in the last few weeks, he's, there are not that many attackers in Ligue 1 better than him. But Dave makes a good point about there being no central striker. That yeah. is, they've got probably seven wide attackers. Well, Dave, seven or eight good wide Dave attackers. Dave always makes good points. Charlabi yeah. is out injured now. But Dave, it can be a little bit negative as well. It, Sometimes. And I just want to say, I'm, I'm enthusiastic. I think They what, need to get Nolan Rubek. What Puel is doing is interesting because he's got rid of, or he's getting rid of, it seems, a lot of the higher earners, the older guys. Yanim Villa has gone to Olympiakos. It seems that Kazri and Budabuz are, are seemingly on their way out. He's keeping Debushi. But clearly, he wants guys who are going to buy into his tough methods. He wants kids who are going to run and run and run. And, you know, given that he's got the powers now, I, I think... I think it's a coherent strategy. And I'm not saying they're going to stay in the top three this season, but I can see them finishing top six, top eight. 
let's I, I agree and also keep in mind and you can't ever really let this out of your mind I don't think for this season because it's a strange season a, COVID, a post-covid or during covid season no clubs have any money all over all over the world this is the moment to show your faith in the youngsters nice I think are doing a similar sort of thing they had a plan in place as well from before to try and build up a young squad but now really if ever there was a season where you're not going to buy and spend a lot of money on players it's this one and they've done well to just get in and get all these young players and build their team around them why not matt that will link us very nicely into paris saint-germain putting faith in young players and not spending any money no i'll let you do the links <laughs> <laughs> i was going to say if, if you want me to be really enthusiastic about a team we could talk about montpellier but um, mm. I'm, I'm going to be mo- moderately enthusiastic about Saint-Étienne. I'm very enthusiastic about Montpellier at the moment. Dave, have, have a word um, about Montpellier because we don't, we, it's not one of our feature games, but they've been tremendous and they beat Angers 4-1, didn't they? And it, it's interesting because they've always been solid. We talked about it, their consistency through the years, but they're not just solid now. They, they, they can create and score, can't they? They're the top scorers in the league now after their, their flurry of goals. And I know, I just really like watching Andy Delors, Gaetan Laborde, Florent Mollet and Teji Savagnier. Teji Savagnier, whose children producer Ian wants, apparently, having commentated them last weekend. He sent me that message. Controversial. I'm, I'm sure he's really? pleased that you've just announced that on yeah. air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he wants to take them to Teji Savagnier's local McDonald's or what, what's no, going on? No, he just... Uh, well, never mind, let's not go into it. But um, <laughs> but what what a player. What a player Really an old, yeah. an old school player, isn't he? Mm. He's, he's got these chubby cheeks. He looks like the sort of guy... Who you see on a Sunday league pitch? Who kind of runs runs the show? Doesn't fag at halftime? Yeah, fag at halftime. Doesn't run too much. Yeah. He, the, the, the the McDonald's reference is um, going back to an interview he did a couple of years ago where he says he still enjoys the odd McDonald's. But mm. uh, he, he's been linked with you know a lot of people saying let's get him in the France team if not well the France squad at least. Um, or should yeah, we just maybe that's we, a should, little bit? Let's just well, let him enjoy his just, football yeah. and, and celebrate what he's doing at Montpellier. I think yeah. he doesn't have the physical capabilities to play international football. I don't. They'd think. They'd also have to move the French training ground down into the southern region of France because he's, he's not much of a boy, traveler. Isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But not much of a traveler. Great, it is great to see. <laughs> it, it is it is great to see Montpellier up there, and we will be featuring them. Um, of course, in the coming weeks, Rennes against Monaco was the big game at the weekend. It was, I think, second against third, wasn't it? With Saint-Étienne having gone top just before. Um, Angus Turode had the pleasure of commentating the action from Rosen Park. Fabregas with the corner. Out to Jop, who uh, volleys it straight to the ground. Oh, that's Brom problem. And it's the first goal for Wissam Ben Yedda. And a disaster at the back for Ren. Pounced upon by last season's top scorer. Garassi again involved. He's beginning to get more of an appetite for it. Good ball into the middle. Traore into the box with the throw. Here is a Kurassi. No penalty. And this doesn't matter because it's a goal. And Ren have won it. And it's the youngster Trufair. What a debut from the left back. Well, this was a really good game of football. Um, Monaco took the lead thanks to a really good finish from uh, from Ben Yedder but it finished 2-1 to Ren and interestingly it was another kid and we, you know we're going to be talking about these youngsters all season I think um Truffer Adrian was Adrian Adrian, Truffer. Adrian yeah. Truffer came on for his league debut at the age of 18 a left back um after an injury to Mawasa he set up the equalizer for Steven and Zonzi a brilliant cross that Zonzi headed in um and then he scored uh, little bit of a fortuitous winner. Uh, Benjamin Lecomte, the Monaco goalkeeper, should have done better. But if you don't shoot, you don't score. If you don't shoot, you don't score. And, and there you go. Ren uh, joints top with, with Saint-Étienne with, with 10 points. And Dave, Ren, you know, I kind of feel a little bit like they might be the team that's going to emerge this season and, and push PSG. I'm still not convinced, having commentated Nice Paris Saint-Germain, that we'll get on to later that there's going to be a credible title challenge to PSG as long as Mbappe's fit for the whole season. Uh, but yes, no, really good that Ren have carried on from where they left off last season. We'll see how they fare once they have to start playing the Champions League games. And Julian Stefan has a clear idea of the way he wants his team to play. The players buy into that. And Truffert, he what he really likes are fullbacks who attack from deep. So Truffert can play midfield as well. But Stefan likes these players who make these forward raids from a deeper position. And we saw with 
True fairs cross for Nzonzi that he's more than capable of filling in that role if Malwas is going to be out for a little while. Um, obviously, as an unknown quantity, you're maybe given a bit more freedom. You're not as uh, much of a marked man, and now he will be, with especially with the quality of the cross, more than the, the finish for the goal. But no, it's, it's really impressive what Ren are doing, and especially the character that they showed after giving away a bad goal when De Silva and Nzonzi went for mm. the same ball and Benyeda produced a great finish, uh, and they fought back very strongly. On the on the flip side, I think uh, Monaco have, have got a, a bit of a formation issue to, to sort out at the top. Ben Yedder and Volland haven't clicked yet, despite being big names for, for Monaco. Uh, as we mentioned, Ben Yedder's goal was taken out of a Wren mistake rather than a, a nice passage of, uh, of Monegasque play. So take nothing away from Wren, but I think Monaco still do have quite a bit of work under Nico Kovac before they can start perhaps mounting some sort of challenge. Which is completely understandable as well. I yeah. mean, you have a new coach who mm. comes in. It's a new philosophy again. Mm. It's young players. It's a real mix of, of, of young and old. I don't, looking at their bench, I don't think it looks that bad either. You've got experience there. You, you know, Onyakuru has been good at the start of the season. There's Jovetic, Martins that all started the game on the bench. Yeah. Balotore. It's similar to, yeah, I think it's a, a side with potential, but you have to give the coach and the, the club time to, to readjust. Uh, you're listening to Robbie Thompson, uh, producer, executive producer of This Is Paris, the uh, the weekly Paris Saint-Germain magazine show. Um, and going just back to what you were saying, I, I think it's interesting, Robbie, what you, you were saying about how, you know, this season is a strange season and we're going to see a lot of youngsters. And I think the role of the manager is bigger than ever, partly because you've got the five substitutions, partly because you've got uh, players out with COVID-19, you've got players suspended, we've had a huge number of, of red cards and I've been really impressed with, with Claude Puel and the way that he's been using his substitutions. And, you know, Julien Stefan as well, OK, he didn't want to bring on Truffaut early. He, he he had to. But if you've got kids like that, I know Armel's been uh, raving about Brandon Soppy, the right back who's who's come in. And clearly these clubs have really good academies. And I think it's going to stand them in good stead. We're going to move on to PSG, Rob. But first, we're going to bring back an old favourite. Um, it's it's our Deja Who section in, in Le Bourgeois. Um, just in case you're a new listener, you don't know what this is, I give you a clue. You have to try to work out who I'm talking about. And if you know the answer, it's great news because you could get a shout out on Le Bourgeois. You need to send an email to league1podcast at gmail.com or using the hashtag on Twitter, we will find you uh, hashtag Le Bourgeois. So here we go. It's time for Deja Who. So I played over 100 League 1 Uber Eats games in the course of my three-year stay on Beauty Island. I went on to play in Spain and Belgium, where I certainly met the standard. I played and still play for America without actually playing in America. Some might say I look like Ted from How I Met Your Mother, but with uh, a perm added in. If you if you know the answer to that intriguing deja vu that was dreamt up, well, by... that last clue is just a giveaway, man. Yeah, it's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> but thanks to Ian Holyman for those clues and a special uh, mention for Stephen Willis, our, our sound man who who spotted the um, the uh, likely likeliness or the like the, the the resemblance. That's right with uh, Ted from How I Met Your Mother. Um, nice against Paris Saint Germain, Robbie. It was a big game, wasn't it? Because PSG. Um, had this stuttering start. They lost their first two games. They just about got a win against Mets. They were down to 10 men and Julian Draxler scored in the dying seconds. They went to Nice on Sunday. David Crossan commentated this one from the Alliance Riviera. Now Mbappe. Mbappe with another nutmeg. It's two that he's put in on Atal and Mbappe's won the penalty. Well, he has been the most dangerous player throughout this match and Mbappe's been fouled. Benoit Bastian points to the penalty spot. What a return from Kylian Mbappe. It was so important to get him onto the team sheet and into the starting lineup. And he has given the champions the lead at Nice. Mbappe leaves Atel trailing. Mbappe, this would be a wonderful goal. Benitez saves, but the follow up is in. And Paris Saint Germain have their second goal. It's Angel Di Maria. It's Di Maria, formerly of Real Madrid, with the free kick. And it's been headed in for Paris Saint Germain's third. Marquinhos, the skipper, celebrates. 3 0 to Paris Saint Germain as they finally looked like champions. And why? Because of Kylian Mbappe. Di Maria was good, but Mbappe was outstanding. You know, when you commentate these games, I think we've, we've all been prone to commentators' curse. 
And so the first time that Mbappe took on Youssef Atal, I said, Atal, quick player, maybe one of the few that could cope with a sprint with Mbappe over 30 or 40 metres. And then Mbappe just ran past him time and time again. Uh, nutmegged him at least twice, maybe three times. Got fouled by Turam for the penalty. Just kept running at Atal so much that Atal ended up with a hamstring injury and had to go off. Mbappe was just brilliant. Uh, a goal... Uh, from the penalty spot, from the penalty he won himself, and then the shot that was saved by Benitez and Di Maria followed up, and he could have had many more. I, I love the headline that uh, L'Equipe, the French daily uh, sports newspaper, used to describe Atal's match, which was Mbappé en rue Matal, which basically means give him a cold. Like, it, it was that quick going past Which is him, an but... allusion to Mbappé being back from coronavirus, I presume, as well, but... Which is not a cold, it's far more serious, David. Yes, yes. yes. um, I I think, do we sometimes forget just how quick Kylian Mbappe is? I mean, is that possible? Well, I mean, there you think Atal is, and Atal is very, very quick. It was, Atal was, and Atal didn't have a bad game going forward either. He was all right going forward, but I'm actually worried about him. I think a player that's that dependent on pace, that's had the injuries that he's had, will he ever rediscover that blinding pace? He he was just coming back from injury. He was just coming back from a hamstring injury. He played and he had a a serious knee problem. He started against Montpellier last week and looked sluggish. So this was similar again, was it? I, I think you're being a little bit harsh. He's not only pace. He's a. I think he's a no. He's got he's got great technical ability, but he. Needs that acceleration no, to, to put it into Imagine if Teji Savanier had that pace. Oh, now we're talking. <laughs> and, and Mbappe always just looks keyed up when he's been out for a bit or if, you know, or if something's happened. They're, 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 sometimes when he, when he makes, I don't know, a, a comeback if he's been injured or if he's been left out by Thomas Tuchel and got annoyed. And he just seemed to be in the mood, didn't he, Dave, from the, from the work. excited. Go. He said mm. that in his post-match interview. Just delighted to be back playing league and football. It's been such a long time because that was his first league and game since... The break for coronavirus. He hadn't played since scoring a brilliant near post goal against Sweden in the Nations League at the start of the month and then testing positive for coronavirus. He's a player who loves playing. I love watching him. And actually, he, when he plays out wide left, I, I, that's where I enjoy watching him play most. I, I prefer seeing him play there than as a centre forward. And he played ever more left in the absence of Neymar suspended. And then after Idrissa Gay went off injured and Nanda Herrera came on, there was a slight tweak in the formation. But he's, he's just unstoppable and so I, good to watch. We're lucky to have him. I didn't see this one, but I've just uh, noticed that he was substituted. That was all right. He yeah, he called okay. to be substituted and Tuchel left him on for about another five, seven minutes after that. There's no problem there. You just expect okay. that, having not played for a while. He doesn't it, take well to that it, normally. It gave him more time to recover from his ankles problem off. as well. He asked to come off. Mm. Robbie, um, we, we, we usually like dismiss... Not you know, not intentionally, but <laughs> I don't you know, have P- to defend PSG. No, PSG, PSG routine, <laughs> you know, PSG wins as routine, they've done it. But, you know, a week ago, you were sitting there saying it's going to be a few weeks of suffering. It's going to be really hard for PSG. You know, this is big that they've got six points from two games. That goal at the end, you commentated against Mets. PSG were playing with nine men for the last few minutes and they got a winner. Um, they, they, they must be feeling boosted by these two wins. Um, thank you, Matt, for giving me a chance to talk about that game against Mets as well, because that was a, it was a long night for PSG. I was at the Parc des Princes, and, and they did struggle. They, they've lost Juan Bernat for six months with a, with a knee reconstructive surgery, which will take place this week. That's a huge blow for them at left-back. Kuzava's suspended for six weeks. Abdou Diallo was sent off in that game. They finished the game with nine men, and in the 93rd minute... It was the players were dead on their feet. Angel Di Maria with the most sublime control, and then cross. Ukidja couldn't deal with the cross. Julian Draxler was there to score a 93rd minute winner. Nine men against eleven. It was the first win of the season for PSG, and it really. I spoke to Ander Herrera the next day, a uh, long interview which you can see on This Is Paris next week. Um, <laughs> I told where, you to stop plug, plugging uh, your show, Rob. Where Ander said that they were heading to Nice with real confidence. It was that they felt that they had turned the corner against Metz, that, that the, what they perceived as bad luck against Lens and Marseille, where, where frustrations, perhaps they didn't deal with it well, they had chances that they didn't take. At Metz, they turned the corner. And at Nice, we, we saw that again. You saw a Julian Draxler, who doesn't look like the same player that we see sitting on the bench for, for most of last season. I mean, they have quality players, but it's all about spirit. And when you can turn your spirit around... Any team can do it on spirit, but when you have the technical ability of Paris Saint-Germain, it makes it all the better. One aspect that shouldn't be neglected is how good a game Keylor Navas had. Mm. He made four or five top-class saves and managed to 
get that second clean sheet in the space of a few days. Uh, what matters now for Paris Saint-Germain is that Leonardo has a good couple of weeks because Thomas Tuchel said in his pre-match press conference, basically he wants three players, another forward, another midfielder and another mm. centre-half. It's going to be a very difficult transfer market. We all know what Leonardo said a couple of weeks ago, that PSG were going to have to sell before they bought players. They've managed to get Florenzi in, who um, after a decent debut against Marseille, when he shone with his crossing ability, I thought struggled against the pace of Asan Kamara, and speed is not his main asset. But let's see what they can do in the transfer market. They need to do yeah. something because the squad is thin. There were a lot of youngsters on the bench. Yeah, well, it, the three players that Thomas Tuchel's asked to come in are just replacing the players that have left. There's no Edinson Cavani has left, Thiago Silva has left, and Loic Mbisso. And Loic Mbisso. Who's left from midfield? Is there anyone who's gone? Um, not, just need a midfielder. Yeah, Aushish, need a, if you call Aushish. They, need, because... they need a midfielder, so let me give you a name. Deli Ali. He's, uh, there have been, Thiago Alcantara. Oh no, he's gone. Now, yeah. <laughs> Armel... Armel's not a fan because he played for MK Dons and Armel's Just a, MK, please. MK, yeah. and Armel's a Wimbledon <laughs> fan. I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm not going to say anything nice about Deli Ali, but um, he's, a, he's a very good footballer at, at a good age. Um, and, you know, if he goes to Paris Saint-Germain, he'll obviously be looking for... I think Paris Saint-Germain need a number six. A real number six to inherit the Thiago Motta mould of number sixes. They thought they had that with Adrissa Garnagay, but after mm. his time in England, we see that he's really a, a solid number eight now. Box to box. They have Ander Herrera, who's box to box. Draxler's turned himself into a, a number eight. Verratti's a number eight. All they have is Marquinhos at, at number six, who is a real number six. Well, they so is that why they want to sign a centre-half, so that Marquinhos can go back in midfield? <laughs> well, no, the coach said. I, the coach in, all, said in, all, in all seriousness, I think the midfield needs a bit of an overhaul. And you know, and I don't want to, you know, obviously Idrissa Gay and Herrera—they're good footballers. But you know, we talked about it in the Champions League, and we're talking about top, 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 top level. And if you want to mm. beat Bayern Munich, if you want to win the Champions League, you need a better midfield. I'm not saying Deli Ali will will will, will resolve. But all, apart from all Al- the problems, Thiago Alcantara, who was in the midfield for Bayern? Goretzka, yeah, yeah, yeah well, do the job, yeah. Well, same with Gay and Herrera. But again, is he really a, a, a deep-lying, no holding midfielder? It, it strikes me that Paris try and sign one every summer and then he just turns into something else because he's training with such technical players, enjoying himself so much. He doesn't want to stay back and just break up play. I mean, they, that's, that's Yeah, but that's another thing. We always used to say that Blaise Matuidi wasn't good enough to play in the Paris Saint-Germain side and every season he was, okay, he was I'll there go around the, the table. Side. Who would take Deli Alli on loan at PSG this season, Dave? I would, yes, on loan. Not as a, an outright buy, on loan with an option to buy. I definitely would. I think it'd be exciting for him. I've um, only seen clips of the, the TV series out at the moment on Tottenham where... Yeah, Jose doesn't rate Jose his, doesn't his rate training him, so uh, capabilities. Go on that. You're lazy. You're lazy, Delhi. He seems to sort of laugh about it, but apparently Jose's quite serious. Armel, yes, no? Yeah, I'd take him. Come right on the bench. <laughs> Robbie? M- MK. No comment. <laughs> no comment. Okay, very, uh, very diplomatic. Um... On that note, no, let's not quite move on just yet. I want a word about Nice. Do we need to worry, Dave, about Patrick Vieira's side, who got a couple of wins, not that convincing at the start of the season, but they won their first two. They got turned over 3-1 in Montpellier, now 3-0 by PSG. Yes, I think we do. Um, I was worried for them after the, the third goal went in that they were just going to fold because they stopped running in midfield and up front for a while in terms of tracking back. And before picking themselves up again... Um, I think as good as Schneiderlin is, I find them a little bit one-paced in midfield now. That um, Bamboo being injured in the first game hasn't helped. I think Pelmar's a decent player, but uh, it was tough for him. And they really missed Dolberg because at 2-0 down, you're thinking where are the goals going to come from? Guiri looks better as a wide player than he does as, as a centre-forward. Gesson looked handy when he came off the bench, the youngster, and almost scored. But... Um, yeah, there is work to do. I'd, I'd like to go around the table again and just if anyone can understand why Willan Cyprien is surplus to requirements now at Nice. Kefren Turam, granted he's a very technically gifted player, but he's, he's young. We saw that inexperience in putting a foot in on Mbappe when you're not going to get the ball, he's too quick. And he, he just hasn't quite cut it for me in, in the games I've seen him play this season. Willan Cyprian, we've we've known him for a few years now. Okay, he has has an injury that has affected his his uh, his efficiency, but he's a quality midfielder. I just don't understand why. Does he want away? 
Or no, it, it, I think he's more out of favour with Vieira. Yeah, out of favor. I think yeah. Since since his injury, I don't think he's quite the same player. But you're right; they, he still does have he still does have quality. I I just want to wrap up on, on Nice by going through Casper Dolberg's um, last fortnight because it's just been horrible. He's um, mm. he played 159 minutes for Denmark during the international break, didn't score a goal. He came back to the airport, found that his was it a Porsche had been stolen. Yeah. His mm. Porsche had been stolen. Then discovered that his house keys were in the uh, were in the car. And his, his house has been burgled. A day or two later, he's getting his life back together. He tests positive for COVID-19. Um, he is then uh, at home watching on TV as uh, Nice get turned over by Montpellier, then PSG. So let's spare a thought for Casper. And in all seriousness, I mean, these are the sort of things as a human being, forget the fact he's a footballer, that you might want a fresh start after all of this. And I'd... I'm a little bit worried because I really like him as a player. Yeah, but, it's not. I, I said that to... in a kind of humorous way. It's not very funny, is it? Really, no. especially no, with the, especially the COVID nineteen. Is it not a? Are we not seeing another side delta a harsh COVID blow on the eve of a match yeah. as well? I mean, yeah, Alexis yeah. Claude Maurice is be- mm. developing into a, an important player for them. Dolberg is clearly an important player, and uh, not to bring it always back to PSG, but perhaps we should look at the PSG's first two matches in a different light, considering they're without seven players with COVID. There, you can see what three players missing with COVID can do mm. to your side and your preparations for a match. It's probably worth the footnote as well, saying that under the, the regulations that were in, being applied at the start of the season, Mbappe wouldn't have been able to play against Nice. That was now, down to seven in line days. with the, the national regulations, you need to isolate for seven days. And as long as you can supply the right medical data to the COVID commission, you can get dispensation for your player to play from day eight. So we're not going to see players out for as long in general because of COVID. But you're right, Rob. It, it wasn't time to go back to PSG. We're going to move on from, from <laughs> I PSG. I had to defend them a little we're bit. Gonna, I had to create my own polemic. We're going to head <laughs> south, Robbie. We're going to go to Marseille. where It's been a difficult few days. They were beaten at home by Saint-Étienne. Armel Tanguy uh, commentated their game um, at the Stade Velodrome on Sunday night. Marseille versus Lille. He's found Araujo here. And Lille take the lead this time. Just the start this second half needed. They've caught Marseille cold. Christophe Gautier's men in the lead here. And a chance now from the set piece perhaps to uh, steal something. And it is Valajamar who heads home for Marseille. On as a substitute, Valajamar. And on the score sheet. So it finished 1-1, but Armel, uh, Marseille will be pretty happy with that because it looked like they were they were going to lose against a Lille side that created a lot more. And Marseille were awful. Yeah, they'll be they'll be very Marseille's happy. season's over, isn't it? After beating Paris one nil at the if if at they the park? if they do they care continue, anymore, Matt? If they continue like <laughs> that, then their season is not going to go very far. It was it was really a, a dreadful performance from them. And say what you like, they played Thursday evening prior to a Sunday game. But I know I know preseason was bizarre this year, but we're four games into the season. This is their job. They they should be able to to play four days with four days between a game. I mean, it it took bringing on a a striker who's been labelled all sorts of names in in uh, the Vieux Port in Marseille to to come on and head home a corner, which Morgan Sanson took after Florian Tovin, who was pretty useless. Dimitri Payet, who I barely saw touch the ball, they'd been taking the previous corners and firing them way out of line. Sanson took one, Germain got on the end of it and Marseille got a goal but some, uh, yeah, something's not quite right there and it was um, illustrated for me by Dario Benedetto's performance who I don't think will finish top scorer this season. Yeah, rumour has it I, I, I tipped him to finish as top scorer but we, we talked about the important role of the coaches this season and I love Villas-Boas and he's done a great job but I feel that he's struggling at the moment and he tried against Saint-Étienne to play again without a striker uh, Benedetto was suspended so he played uh, Maxim Lopez as a false nine which was absolutely disastrous and he, he also played Balerdi at left back changed that after 20 minutes changed the formation at half time you know he's searching for solutions isn't he and Marseille don't seem to have the quality in terms of their, their academy and the kids coming through that clubs like Saint-Étienne and, uh, and, and Rennes have and that's why despite me tipping Marseille for the title and Benedetto for top scorer I'm, I'm having I, w- I wouldn't say second <laughs> thoughts but a few doubts um, Dave, it may have been foolish of me. I, I think it was foolish of you, Matt. Um, Marseille, most of their goals are coming from set pieces at the moment. Um, they need to try and get better in open play. Payet and Tovan need games together because 
that's where the inspiration is going to come from. And yes, they could do with another forward. Um, I, th- I think you're better up to date than I am with this Pepite that Andre Villas-Boas says that they're going to sign imminently. A Pepite is a nugget. Yeah, and pe- is used pepe for us. Have they a, found a another nugget? Football. They found a nugget, apparently. <laughs> From yeah, South pe- America, it's a reckon. great word in, in French because it either means like a little bit of chocolate you get in a cake or something, or or a great young footballer. Now, Luis Enrique is a pepite. He's 18 years of age, and by uh, all accounts, or going on the reports in France this morning, Monday morning, um, he is close to joining Marseille from Botafogo for around 10 million euros. He's 18. I just had a look at his stats. He hasn't scored yet for Botafogo, so doesn't look like he's going to be a quick fix, does he? One for the future, maybe, maybe like a, a Luis Araujo who arrived from Sao Paulo in 2017 at Lille and two goals in two games for him now. He kept Ikone out of the starting lineup on Sunday and he looked good. He much, stayed- better, much better transition, that Armel. Yeah, thanks. But, um, <laughs> but um, Christophe Galtier said after the game that he knows he won't have this squad come October the 5th. He knows the club are looking to sell one, at least one player. I mean, seeing Ikone not in the team, that makes me wonder... Will he be going? It was a wisdom teeth problem, according oh, to was the it? papers Sorry. this morning. That's Sorry, why he was on the bench. Mm. But yeah, he's the, the player that's worth a lot yeah. on the transfer market that they haven't shifted on yet and you'd think would be the most likely to attract bids from the Premier League, probably. I actually think they could do okay without him. This is my own personal opinion. I think they've got plenty, plenty of, uh, of attacking talent in the final third. Um, big Jonathan David, I've decided we, I'm calling him David anyway because of his Haitian heritage. Not but, confusing with David Crossan. No. I'm, I'm quite yeah, happy yeah. with being called David. Okay. Well, anyway, he, he's... Yeah, Jonathan David's struggling, isn't he? Sorry, who? Jona- sorry, Jonathan David. Oh, Jonathan right, yeah. David. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he's just not quite there yet. Um, there are signs that there's a great player in there, and clearly last season indicated that he is a great player, but he's just not quite there yet in a Lille shirt. Yeah, but can we give him a, a month? To, to settle in we can give him a month yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, but, yeah no I, I agree Rob you've got to give the guy time but he does look out of sorts he looked overweight when he arrived he seems to have lost a bit of weight but it's going to take it's, yeah it's going to take time but I've, I've got faith in that partnership Burak Yilmaz is, is someone I admire a lot he hit the post mm-hmm. should have scored yeah. against Marseille but he really understands football and I think not they, the offside rule no, maybe fair <laughs> enough <laughs> He was offside about four times. Well, he's inexperienced, isn't he? He's only in his mid thirties, so they have a handy-looking bench as well. Just looking at the bench from Mm. from yesterday. Yeah, why why was Renato on the bench? Just he was coming back from injury. and there's Yazitsi is there as well. The other the other Turkish player who started last season with a hat full of assists. I was disappointed not to see Lihadji come Mm. on and and wipe the floor with Marseille's defence, considering he left in uh, rather touchy circumstances from Marseille to Lille this summer. I know we're not going to get there just quickly. Dave's comment about Marseille scoring from set pieces and needing set pieces. And since uh, I didn't see Leon on the running order for, uh, for today's chat, Leon, without a goal in their last two games now, I've commentated both of them. It is not always pretty. Um, and of their goals, I think they had five goals coming into the games this week. They played in midweek. So they're one of the top scorers in the league, five goals from two games. Four of them are penalties. No, three penalties. One fabulous bit of play from Memphis Depay and an own goal. So they are a team that are used, needing set pieces, penalties in this case, and uh, are struggling to create. I mean, they were without Usemawa again on, on Friday night, but they, they, they looked low on ideas. The fans are not happy, are they? And I mean, I, I just wonder if Leon's season won't start in earnest until the transfer window is closed, because it's hard when... Exactly. Three of, your key, three of well. your key players are rumoured to be going. Um, you know, Memphis Depay probably first and foremost. I think Barcelona are still keen, and it may well happen. So it, it's tough, isn't it? It's tough, and I think you know you probably have to make the correlation with the uh, final eight in Lisbon and the fact that Lyon and, and Paris Saint Germain have found it difficult at the start of the season. By Munich, the, the pressure oh, no, is not the, so much. the pressure will build. The pressure yeah, by <laughs> Munich, by Munich coped okay, but. Um, Speaking about teams struggling, well, actually, Bordeaux were doing okay. Um, they had five points from their first three games, but I commentated their game against Lens. I uh, wasn't overly impressed. Let's, uh, let's hear what happened then from the Stad Bollard de Lelyris. I'm, I'm struggling to say Bollard, that properly. Bollard. Stad Felix Bollard. Uh, Lens versus Bordeaux. He's doing his best to hold things together at the back for Bordeaux, Laurent Koscielny. But they're making a real mess of things. And Gannico, surely, oh, he scored. 
That's a terrible error. Ignatius Ganigo has at last got on the score sheet after missing a couple of big chances in the first half. He's got it back though, Jonathan Klaus. It's a good cross as well from him. Brilliant defending this time from Paul Bass. They were in trouble again, Bordeaux, and the referee is going to consult his uh, video assistants. Let's have a look here. The ball played in. Was there a push on the attacker? Yes, penalty to loss. Well, it is tough. It is unquestionably tough on Paul Bass. And Paul Bass has been sent off. Kakuta against Costil. Gal Kakuta doubles Lawson's advantage. Oh, the flicked header, and it is it. Now, Bordeaux have got a goal, but it is surely too late. Good free kick. Callow with a lovely header. Yeah, before I um, get stuck into Bordeaux, uh, I want to say that Lens were absolutely outstanding. The game finished 2-1. It should have been 4 or 5-1. Honestly, Lens were, were, were so much the better side. They played with aggression. They played with speed and uh, positive intentions throughout. Ganago should have had a couple in the first half. Kakuta missed a one-on-one one in the first half as well. Um, and it, you know, somehow Bordeaux miraculously survived until half-time. And then right at the start of the second half, poor old Remy Uda. I say that because he just looked like he didn't want to be there playing at left wing back. He did this awful back pass. Ganago latched onto it and scored. Ganago doing really well. Lance three wins in a row. And, um, you know, fair play. They've got this coach, Franck Ez, that we don't necessarily know that much about. He only took charge, having been uh, in charge of the youth team before. Um, he had two games last season in Ligue 2, won them both. And he looks to be doing really good work with uh, Alou Diara. Uh, we saw Seko Fofana, the uh, former Man City player, coming on for the last half hour. 10 million euro signing from Udinese and he looked just a class above the rest. So I think when he's fit, fully fit, which should be soon, you know, Lance are going to be going to be looking good. And uh, I don't know what you think, Armel, but um, they, you know, they, they should be, I think, aiming mid table at least rather than what Yannick Kowzak said, which is if we can finish fourth from bottom, that'll be brilliant. Yeah. Well, I, they've got a, a, an interesting s- squad of a, a mix of, uh, of up and coming talent and, veterans like Kauzak and his uh, Corsican friend in goal, uh, Jean-Louis Lecker. So they've got, you know, they've got players that can help the, the youngsters come along. It's, it's difficult to really predict because obviously they've just come up. So they've got a bunch of players who are still getting used to the, the requirements of playing top division football. But I mean, they've certainly started brightly. They've got a nice... Uh, a nice setup, nice way of playing football in that in that three five two formation. And you mentioned Seko Fofana; that was his first appearance. He was only just coming on. They've got Masadio Haidara, the former Newcastle player, to come back as well. So they've they've got some players that are going to improve them um, in the next few weeks. And yeah, I mean, I, I fancy them for a top ten finish. Um, we're going to talk about Ganago in particular, who you interviewed last. Thursday but before we do that I just I, I want to get something off my chest I got we haven't had a coup de girl yet this season so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring one in now oh, quel bande de chèvres. C'est mon coup de gueule. so the coup de girl is is a rant and I've been looking to get this off my chest since commentating Lance Bordeaux on Saturday afternoon we gave Jean-Louis Gasset credit for organizing Bordeaux well and getting them off to a solid start but honestly on Saturday it was dreadful and there was one moment in particular that really got on my nerves. There was about 40 minutes gone. Uh, Lance were on top. Bordeaux had the ball. Costil had the ball in his penalty area and he'd kind of placed it down. The ball was stationary. Well, placed it, or it, it was on the ground. I, 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 I was wondering what happened because nothing was happening in the game. And I thought, is this a, a free kick, a goal kick? What's going on? And actually, he was just waiting because they were, the, the ball was in play, but no Lance player was closing him down. And he waited. And he waited. And we're talking about you know the Bordeaux goalkeeper playing away to Lance, who, who just got promoted. And I was just thinking, well, what are you doing? You know, eventually, after 20 seconds or something, a Lance player ambled towards him and he, and he booted it upfield. But I'm like, Bordeaux are coming here and they're basically saying, we'll take nil-nil now, actually, in the first half of a game against Lance. And I just thought, what is the point of playing football if you're going to do that? I agree. I, I, I was watching that and I thought that was a really strange moment as well. So negative. It's so, the mentality, so, isn't it? Yeah, that, yeah. I thought you were going to follow that with uh, your Jean-Louis Gasset quote from after the game. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw, yeah, I saw in L'Equipe the headline was, I think I picked two attacking a side, which that grated a little bit. He did pick four guys, four attacking players from the start with Depreville, Udin, Huang Yuzhou and uh, Jimmy Brion. But 
I know it, it's probably indefensible, indefensible, Matt, the, the way Bordeaux played for you anyway, having to sit through it, similar to no, the no, way I felt that. Look, the week I, before. I enjoyed the commentary, Rob, but they lost Bazic, so well. They lost Bazic midway through the first half. He's an important player. At 1-0, they, they lose Paul Bass to a penalty and a red card, which was that a little bit harsh or not? The red card for, for I, yeah, I thought I, I thought I thought it was tough. You heard yeah. my commentary excerpt there, where I said uh, brilliant defending from Paul Bass, and then thought, yeah. oh, hang on. So that that turns the game in your favour as well. Although I do concede, you the first half was one way traffic. I'd really just like to hear from Josh Madger, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, our producer Ian Holyman has spoken to Josh Madger, so you know that's absolutely brilliant, Dave, because we all want to hear from Josh, English-born striker. Made a name for himself at, at Sunderland. Scored quite a few goals, albeit in the third tier. Uh, moved to Bordeaux. What is it now? Getting on? Is this his, year and a half? Yeah, he's had yeah. one full season, mm. one half a season. So anyway, um, Josh Madger talked to Ian and notably talked to him about Jean-Louis Gasset and what sort of impact he is having um, at the Matmut Atlantique. He's level-headed. I think he's, um, he's very composed. And um, when he needs to say, when he needs to put like... Um, pressure on, on us to, to play, especially in training, he does it. But I don't think he's, uh, what's the word? I would just say he's much more calm and when he needs to get his point across, he does it with an intensity. And I think that's that's important because I think as a team, we're not always going to play well. And I think to have a difference in, in emotion for when we don't play well and we, when we do play well is very important. So I think he brings a uh, different energy for us and we're just hoping to, 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 to bring good performances and continue to, to play well. So fair play to, to Josh Madger for saying that we won't always play that well. They certainly didn't play that well on Saturday. And actually, his, he's probably done quite well because he was left out uh, at the start. So, you know, I think they need to get him in. Jimmy Brion is looking his age. Uh, Depreville struggled. Huang Yuzhou as well needs to... He can't play centre-forward. So I think Madjan needs needs to play. Uh, you know, he's the one proper centre forward that, that they have on their books. He came on for the last five minutes and uh, and got a booking. That was his only contribution. But what do you think, fellas? Is is, is Josh Madjan can he become an important player for Bordeaux this season? Yes, I mean, it, it, frankly, I don't want to put them down too much, but I don't think it's going to take much for an attacking player to become an important player for them this season. They they need someone to to step up. So why not Josh Madjan? I mean, as you say, he's he's proved it in the uh, English third division. So if he wants to turn himself into a, a credible player at the top level, then this is his, a great opportunity for him. If they carry on with the same squad and the same tactics, I can't see any Bordeaux player reaching double figures for goals this season. I think we can, and I've and uh, it's becoming a repetitive theme, which is often the way it is with me. I, I flog a dead horse. Let's give them a little bit of time. <laughs> Jean-Louis Gasset clearly came in with the plan of shoring things up at the back, of making sure they stopped conceding um, goals, that that's the way to lay the foundation. I think they have attacking players on their books. Where is Remy Udin? Samuel Kalu? These guys are, are good players. Why, Remy Joel. Udin playing left wing back and looking completely <sighs> out. He looks not the player he was at Reims. At Reims, he was a, a very exciting young player. And Jean-Louis Gasset is good with players. Players like him. So it's a matter, maybe he's just taking this time to set up shop, to, to put the foundations in place, and then he's going to start trying to work on the attack. Because with players like Udin, Huang, Madja, Depreville, not quite so sure, but Yassin Adli, these players, Kalu, they're form players. If you can get them inside, if you can get them feeling good, confidence up, then goals will come. Maybe, maybe all is not lost. Well, Armel, uh, Josh Madja... A Nigerian international now. He decided to play for the Super Eagles. He's made uh, one appearance for them already. But he was outshone, as were the rest of the Bordeaux attackers, by another African striker, Ignatius Ganigo, mm. um, who now has three goals this season. He was signed from Nice in the summer. And I've been really impressed with him. Scored the winner against PSG. Um, caused all sorts of problems to, uh, to Bordeaux. You met him on, on Thursday. How did he yep. come across to you? And, you know, is he looking, do you think, like a really, really top signing? Yes, I think he's a, a very good signing for Lance. I think he's a, a lad with a, a point to prove, really, because he wasn't given that much of a chance at Nice, or at least not in the not in his preferred position. Vieira and Lucien Favre played him uh, out on a in a wide position, which I say Lucien Favre that make him sound like he's been around a while. He has, but he's still only twenty one, and uh, he's got an incredible turn of pace. He's got 
brilliant anticipation skills as well. We've seen that bouncing on the uh, error from Marcin Bulka against PSG. Again, this was a, an error that he punished against Bordeaux, where you've got to be there to punish the errors, otherwise they, you know, they just get mopped up. Um, and three goals in four games is not a bad way to start at all. It was quite funny, actually, when I went to meet him because I'd uh, done my research and I saw that he came out the same uh, academy in Cameroon as uh, Clinton and G. So I said, oh, yeah, so anyone else come out there? He went, uh, Samuletto. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good he's research. Hu- he's hungry, well isn't he? He's hungry. I think that's something you... And I... Yeah. Every now and again, a player surprises you. And I've seen Ganago play for the last two or three seasons and not, like you say, not really get his chance. But honestly, not that impressed. Could see someone who was very quick, but not that technical. He mm. scored against PSG last year for Nice as well as before scoring against them again this year. So got three goals against PSG. Exactly. His favourite team. So he scores every game against them whenever he's on the pitch. So that, that tells you something as well. But but he has found what looks like found somewhere where he can really show his potential. And that's if it's a change of position, albeit. But he's not the player that I thought, mm, not sure he's going to make it. Caps three times by... Um... Cameroon so far and he wasn't the only Cameroonian striker on target the weekend Stefan uh, Bauken scored for Angers and um, that was his second goal this season he does another former Nice play does score quite regularly Ganago's played three times for Cameroon uh, Bauken 10 three goals so far th- for the indomitable Lions and you know Ligue 1 does continue to benefit hugely um, from the um, uh, input of African players in particular African attackers so we wanted to take this opportunity to, to think about some of the Cameroonians who have um, who have graced Liga, there have been some good ones. Sam- sadly, Samuel Eto'o, who was often making uh, um, dropping hints that he'd be coming to, he wanted to sign at Nîmes this summer, didn't he? Or there yeah. were jokes on social media about that. He's never he's never done it in in Liga. But Dave, there have been some illustrious Cameroonians in the past. Yeah, loads of them, loads of them. I, I, I'm going to start with a, a personal memory actually uh, of going to the Stade de France in 2001 to watch a France-Cameroon friendly. And I went there because I wanted to watch Zidane and Henri play live. I bought my ticket, went along, but the moment of the game wasn't supplied by either of them. It was supplied by Patrick Mboma, who scored an incredible overhead kick. kick. And he started out at Paris Saint-Germain. His brother Alain has been a a key figure in the rise of Kylian Mbappe. Um, Didn't really play his best football in France, but uh, that is a, a special memory for me. One of the best goals that I've seen live. Uh, someone who played loads in France, Roger Miller, who I only became aware of at World Cup 1990. Uh, even at that age, I was probably 11 then, I wouldn't try to copy his goal celebration because my hips would have gone. But he played for Valenciennes, Monaco, Bastia, Saint-Etienne and Montpellier. And if I could get in a Ligue 1 time machine, I'd like to go back to Montpellier in the late 1980s and watch Roger Miller play with Carlos Valderrama and then watch Carlos Valderrama play with Eric Cantona with Laurent Blanc around as well. Uh, that just sounds amazing. And I wish there was more footage I could watch of that team. Pro- probably Jean-Louis Gasset was there as well. I, yeah. As yeah, a guess. Yeah. He's, he's been at Montpellier <laughs> since day one. But uh, uh, Patrick Mboma, I, I play from time to time with him. We play uh, futsal down the road from here. And he doesn't move. But as soon but as he gets class, the ball, turns, bang, top corner. He's, he's got the... A finish on him, as you say. That anecdote's rather better than mine. <laughs> I no, I've never played football with Patrick and Boehm or Roger Mitt. No, but if nobody's seen that bicycle kick, then you've just opened a whole world of beautiful bicycle kicks to them. We um, had Patrick and Bomber on uh, on PSG TV. At the, as soon as lockdown finished, he was our special guest for the first training mm. session when everyone was back on the pitch. And he is a hilariously lovely guy. Speaks perfect English as well. You can, you can chat to him about anything. He... Um, I think he regrets a little bit not making it or more at Paris Saint-Germain. His best, his best football was undoubtedly with the Cameroon national team, mm. where he's one of the, mm-hmm. the best scorers of all time, where he won the AFCON, the Africa yeah, Cup of Nations. Twice. Olympics as well. And Olympics, exactly, in Sydney. Sydney Olympics. So, fantastic player. I also have a playing with him anecdote, which was very funny. He, um, he set me up for a couple of, like, as Armel says, doesn't move. Just playing, you know, turn top corner or turn and just play a sub- sublime pass. And he, he gave me two perfect passes where I only had the goalkeeper to beat. And I missed three in a row. And at the end, he just goes, Robbie, je te fais plus confiance. Which means, obviously... I don't trust you yeah, anymore. I don't trust you anymore. You're not getting a single <laughs> pass. And, he, and I didn't get another pass. You've got to mention <laughs> Francois Oman Biak in this as well. Yeah. Uh, and you go yeah. back to the World Cup 1990 footage, watch his goal that was the winner for Cameroon uh, against Argentina, the, the holders. 
And uh, he played for loads of French clubs as well. Laval, Rennes, Cannes, Marseille, Lens. 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 He played with Robbie Slater. Ignatius Ganago mentioned him. He Mm -hmm. says that uh, Lens are quite a big team in Cameroon. And I know he's not the first player to have said that because uh, Rigobert Song, of course, Mm -hmm. played there as well. He's brilliant. Uh, And the late uh, Mark Vivian Foe, who who wasn't a striker, but was a a, really superb player for Lens and for Lyon. Yeah, Omen Beek's goal against Argentina was a seminal moment. For me and that that Cameroon it's, it's, team, it's a horrendous it was, mistake from the keeper, but it's one of yes, the great moments in, in World Cup history, isn't absolutely. it? C- can I mention? And I'm just uh, surrounded by three Please. Englishmen, sorry, or a Welsh Welsh Breton mm. and, and two <laughs> Englishmen. Um, the Cameroon side should have beaten England in the quarterfinals of that tournament. And there's another player who's in there, one of their top scorers of all time, Kunde, who scored the penalty and was captain of that Cameroon side. In I shouldn't have given Lineker two penalties, Rob. I mean, you know, if you really want to go into it. I'd, I'd like to take it, take it back to Ligue 1 and talk about two two players. Um, one that I think deserves a, an honourable mention because of the rarity at that time of his appearance in the French League is Joseph-Antoine Bell, Cameroonian goalkeeper mm-hmm. and one of the pioneering black goalkeepers in, in European football. And he was around Ligue 1 for, for years and years and years playing for Marseille, for Saint-Étienne, for Bordeaux. So big clubs back then. Um, so he definitely deserves a mention. The second for me is Bill Chateau, yes. the, the former Montpellier left-back, purely because he spent a couple years at the same school that I went to and my football coach would just talk about him all the time. They are be like Bill Chateau. I want to, um, <laughs> I want to tell that anecdote about Eric Jemba Jemba and how once I tried to interview him just after he signed for Man United and I mistook, um, him, I mistook Samuel Eto for him. Um, it was at the African. It was really embarrassing. I think Samuel Eto'o was still at Mallorca, and um, I, I was at the Africa Cup of Nations. And Jemba uh, Jemba said, "Okay, I'll give an interview. I'm just going to have my dinner. Wait, you know, I'll, I'll come out." I was waiting outside the Cameroonian canteen, and uh, and Eto'o came out, and I was sure it was Jemba Jemba. I wasn't particularly familiar with either of them at the time, and Eto'o just stared at me. Like, I said, "Are you ready for the interview?" And he just said, "Who the hell are you?" And walked off, <laughs> and it was really embarrassing. So I probably shouldn't be making that public, but. <laughs> that, that, that was a good chat. I'm slightly surprised and disappointed that I, I, uh, Chupa, I, Chupa Moting hasn't had a mention exactly. from Rob. Well, Chupo is, is there. Uh, we saw some fantastic goals with Cameroon in the last couple of seasons, of which he is captain of his national side. So obviously a quality footballer, and he showed it in the final eight as well. Um, more recently, or not more recently, but a recent player, because we haven't mentioned many uh, current striking forces what about uh, Vincent Abubakar? Abubakar, yeah. Oh, yes. Quality footballer. Mm. Really, we didn't never saw the best of him. And I think, did he go on and, at Porto and show yeah, Porto. real yeah. quality? Yeah, is Ganago is... not a bit Abubakar-esque? Who, sorry? Ganago. Ganago. A little bit. I, I have Abubakar. to say, I, I, wasn't, uh, I, I wasn't working in France yet. You, Abubakar's uh, a bit you know, big, more bigger. quality. Yeah. yeah, bigger and... I don't know if he's more quality. Give Ganago uh, a chance, yeah, 21. Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you one place where they're really hoping that they can get some Cameroonian goals is at Lyon. They need Tokoekombi to start scoring and stop hitting the post. Yeah. And just a final one, because I know we like jokes here. Just for two names, we'll go with Gaetan Bong and Yaya Banana, because you can't not mention those two. <laughs> Gate and Bong. He was he was a fullback though, wasn't he? Yeah, Bana- yeah. Was, yeah, Banana and Bong could have been a great partnership. Let's uh, let's wrap up the pod before we go. We have got our favourite little Bon Voyage section where we look ahead to next weekend and decide where we uh, where we fancy going. Well, I'm going to start by taking the easy one um, because it's first against second. It's Saint-Étienne against Rennes at the Stade Geoffroy-Guichard. And I, I alluded to it earlier in the pod. I just really think it's quite exciting what's happening at Saint-Étienne. I know Dave tried to pour cold water over that, but I do think they've got some really good young players. I do think Rennes are a good side, hard to beat, and uh, that, that should be another really good match. So, so there's mine. Anybody else want to chip in? I'm going to go to Lorient because I do it absolutely every week and why change the habit of a lifetime who are they playing they're playing against Lyon so that should actually add to the occasion yeah thanks for mentioning that Matt that's the uh, afternoon kickoff on Sunday yeah so by the way Sunday September the 27th and uh, our podcast partners BT Sport are broadcasting that game in the UK you can watch it Lorient against Lyon 1600 uh, UK time Sunday the 27th and my game my choice the big one is also televised 1600 um, on Saturday afternoon, the 26th of September. Matt, did you ever work in the police? Because every time you give the time, this is 1,600 hours. You mean 4pm? 
Military, military. Anybody else got any um, <laughs> got any games they fancy going to? I'd like to see Lille Nantes on Friday night. I'll be uh, looking out for that one as well as keeping an eye on PSG away to Reims. Uh, Reims, who are not the same side we've seen over the last couple of seasons either. They're normally rock solid at the back and and can get forward and play some nice football at the moment. It's not working for them at all. And in, in tribute to, to birthday boy Dave, I wouldn't also mind having a look at Montpellier away to Dijon on Sunday afternoon because I like Montpellier as well. Okay, Lille versus Nantes is, uh, is live on BT Sport in the UK, 20.00, 8pm local time, <laughs> Friday the uh, the 25th. Um, what were your other games, Rob? Uh, Rouse PSG live, 8pm UK time uh, on BT Sport, 9pm local time. That's on the Sunday. Um and what was, it, well, I've, I've, pro- I've undoubtedly I've stolen I've, I've, Dave's I've, game as well. Dave, Dave, Dave. Dave. I'm, I'm going to pick Marseille Mets on the Saturday night, eight o'clock UK time, nine o'clock French time, <laughs> because yeah, Marseille had this run of three home games in a row and take nine points out from that. And we'd be talking very differently about their prospects of challenging for the title. Now they have to beat Mets. And remember how much of a turning point beating Mets with a late goal is. Exactly. Mets, you have to have who, nine uh, against 11 Mets to do who it. won at the weekend. Heroic. Adama Niane with a couple of goals as they defeated uh, Dijon. Good player as well. Niane. 2-1. I like 2-1. him. 2-1. Yeah. That concludes our podcast this week. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you to David Cross and Arnold Tank and Robert Thompson. Um, from me, Matt Spiro, from all of the team here in Boulogne, Biancourt, Chez Robbie. It's time to say goodbye. We'll see you again soon. Ciao, ciao. Lovely finish. Must be the opening goal. Benedetto and Bagnon. Ben Yara, beautifully done, sensational.